Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. Wow, it is September the 1st, 2023. Uh, fall not too far away, and uh, here we are. I'm glad you're able to join me tonight. Uh, the world continues to get crazier. Um, you know, you keep thinking it can't get worse, it can't get nuttier. But, you know, my dad very sagely taught me when I was a kid, nothing is so good it couldn't get better or be so bad that it couldn't be made worse. And somehow our political elite have always found a way, not that they're geniuses, but somehow they keep finding ways to make things incredibly worse and worse for Americans, but not for themselves. They're making out uh, literally like bandits. So the invasion of the United States continues, spurred on by the Biden administration, uh, you got to look at Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324, which talks about aiding, abetting, inducing, encouraging, harboring, shielding, smuggling aliens, doing those things that bring people into our country who are not U.S. citizens and who should not be here. It's just amazing. You know, when the president takes that oath of office, when law enforcement officers and military members and politicians take the oath, it's about defending the Constitution. It's about defending the Constitution. And meanwhile, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution states the following. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union public and form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. And on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. We now have over 7 million aliens in the country who should not be here. They're only here because this is part of the Biden plan, apparently. It goes along with what I had said a while back, that when they talked about a massive amnesty, that they should not only call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act, and we're going to talk a lot about immigration and terrorism tonight, especially uh, as we are less than two weeks from the 22nd anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11, but it's also about protecting America's national security and public safety, and yes, the jobs and wages of Americans. No one even thinks about that anymore. Huh, that's a joke. And when the politicians say, well, we need to have modern immigration laws, what they're really saying is we need to find a way to fire any American we want and displace that American with a foreign worker who will work for less. Those CEOs who now make 600 times what their employees make can make even more money, and God knows, maybe buy one of those supersonic airliners that NASA is researching. Just stop and think about it. And I'm a big fan of aviation. I was going to be an aerospace engineer. I did a little single-engine flying. I'd be the last one to knock progress in aviation. I've had the distinct honor and privilege of meeting some of America's astronauts, including a couple who walked on the moon. I'm not opposed to progress or aviation at all, but at a time when we're told about the environment, 
where the Biden administration is now looking into ceiling fans. Ceiling fans. Gas stoves weren't enough. Water heaters weren't enough. You name it. Now we're going to look at ceiling fans. So I'm going to imagine that any airplane that NASA designs to go Mach 4 or Mach 3, they want to go faster than Concorde, I'm going to bet they will not put ceiling fans in those airplanes so they've saved the world. Wow. Most Americans can't put two nickels together. They've done study after study that says that the majority of Americans only have a couple days of money on hand, and if they lost their job, they'd be financially underwater. This isn't the America that I grew up in. The middle class is officially dead. They should have an exhibit at the Museum of Natural History here in New York next to the dinosaurs and the saber-toothed tigers of, of the American middle-class family because it's all but gone. Do you think any of those Americans are going to be lining up to buy a ticket to fly to Japan at warp speed or fly to Europe at warp speed? Many Americans can't figure out whether you get money to buy the next sandwich. So we're going full speed ahead. And by the way, you've got to presume that if you're flying an airplane at those speeds in the stratosphere that you're going to damage the environment. But, of course, the environment and all the other rules that they want to jam down our throats, we the people, don't apply to the elite. John Kerry, Bill Gates, they have their private planes, and they will look you dead in the eye and say, yes, I need my airplane because I do great work. Years ago, I was on my way to a political rally in upstate New York. I was supporting a Senate candidate, New York State Senate candidate, not a federal Senate candidate. And he was, he was the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee for the state of New York in the, in the New York Senate. And as I was driving up this beautiful road through the woods and heading north, then Mayor Bloomberg came on. And Bloomberg, of course, is, is starving. I don't know how he's able to survive. This is a guy that didn't have the cojones to call China out for being a totalitarian country or a communist country for fear that he might lose some business from them, even though he's worth tens of billions of dollars. He has more money coming in through his doors and windows than any normal human being could spend in a lifetime. He will get that in one day just in earnings for all of his largesse. And he had one of his people up on the stage with him. He was doing a news conference. I was listening to this drivel. And Bloomberg said, we've got to turn down the thermostats in the winter and put on another sweater and get used to being hot in the summer. We've got to protect the environment. He has his own airliner, his own airliner. He actually flies it. I don't know if he's able to anymore. He's old and crotchety. My understanding is, though, that he had a, an, air, a, an appropriate pilot's license. He's a mechanical engineer, or, or I believe it's a mechanical engineer. Super smart guy, super smart guy. But one of the reporters started asking him a question. He left because, God knows, I may or I have more important things to do than talk to mere reporters. So he had his staff stay behind to field the questions. And someone said, you know, the mayor owns 19 mansions and airliners and a fleet of cars. His carbon footprint is, is that of like 25 people, whatever the number was. How do you justify it? 
And I, I wish I could have seen, well, maybe I'm happy I didn't see the, the, the smug look on the clown's face that was answering for the mayor. But without hesitation, he said, the mayor does vital work, and he is entitled. Entitled. Did they ever read about Mahatma Gandhi, who lived the way his own people did? That's what a leader does. No, no, no. This is Bloomberg. He's got all kinds of money, and if you have a problem with it, go to hell. He wanted congestion pricing so that if you drive into Manhattan and it's about to take effect, you're going to have to pay lots of money for the privilege of being stuck in a traffic jam. But, of course, why would he care? He has helicopters. He's above it all. You hop in the helicopter, you go out to the airport, you hop in your airliner, and you soar into the stratosphere. All's right with the world. You have a problem with that? You're just a whiner. And it's only gotten worse. They've only gotten more arrogant. And it's on both sides of the aisle. And I've had it up to my eyeballs. I've had it up to my eyeballs. Because if you're telling me that we have to make all these sacrifices... And so many Americans can't even afford housing with what they've done to the economy. <laughs> it's just stupefying that NASA's spending God knows how many tens of millions on a toy for the mega bucks crowd. And we're being told, walk, take an electric bike that maybe will catch fire and burn your house down because we've had lots of those happening. This isn't the government of the people or by the people or for the people unless the people we're talking about are worth tens of billions. Forget millions. If you have a couple million dollars, good for you, but you're not part of the club. You have to have tens of billions of dollars, and then your wish is their command. Short of that, you're screwed. Get used to it. Eat insects. I kid you not. Insects are a great form of protein, and we don't want flatulent cows unless you're wealthy, because they're entitled, because they do great work. If I sound furious, guess what? I am. I am. And the invasion continues, and the folks at Fox News, when they did the first debate, as I pointed out last week, waited till 90 minutes into a two-hour debate to even dare talk about immigration, and then they limited it to just the southern border. We have terrorists being admitted into the United States with visas. We just had somebody prosecuted um, who came here as a doctor on an H-1B visa, been sentenced to jail for his work with ISIS. Didn't come through the southern border, but we do know terrorists are coming through the southern border, and that southern border is wide open and welcoming them with open arms. For me, this is personal on so many levels. It's personal because... I'm an American. First, look, because I'm a New Yorker, and it was my hometown that got hammered. The planes hit the towers just about 10 miles from my house. My neighbors died. It's personal because I was an immigration agent for 30 years. It's personal because I testified before a whole bunch of hearings in the House and Senate because ostensibly our supposed leaders were concerned about threats to national security. But back then they were leaders, people like John Hostetler, Lamar Smith, um, Jim Sensenbrenner, because when George W. Bush screwed us up royally with the way he created DHS, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender, they would call me up, it was kind of an interesting position to be in, and say, you're not going to believe what he did it again. He, of course, was Alfred E. Newman masquerading as George W. Bush, or maybe I'm getting it backwards. 
they gave them money to hire 800 new ICE agents, which was ridiculous. This is after 9-11. But that wasn't good enough for good old George W. He cut the 800 to 143. They gave them money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents for that year and every year afterwards for four more years. But he cut the 2,000 to 210. They gave him money to secure thousands of detention beds, and he cut it down to about 1,700. And then he mixed in other agencies with immigration law enforcement and bifurcated the enforcement program between Customs and Border Protection and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. That was never supposed to happen. Immigration was to be a, supposed to be a standalone agency that focused 101% of the time on immigration because it was determined that the 9-11 commission that was convened to make sure we don't get hit again and more Americans die said that the only reason 9-11 was possible because of multiple failures of the, of the immigration system. So they had the courage, and they were Republicans, to call out a Republican sitting in the Oval Office. It was an honor. I felt duty-bound to do that. And now everybody lines up according to the party. When Richard Nixon pulled off his nonsense and wanted to turn the IRS uh, into a tool to punish his enemies with his political enemies list, and Watergate happened, it was the Republicans who forced Nixon out. That's what you do. This isn't about your party, folks. This is about your country and the lives, security, and future of your citizens. Tell that to the politicians of today. They line up like little ducks. And they've got a person in the Congress, and I think it's in both houses, and if it doesn't sound like a Tony Soprano enforcer, I don't know what does. It's called the whip. The whip. They whip them in line. How dare you step out of line? Forget about the American people. We have bigger fish to fry. We have to answer to the bribers. Oh, did I say bribers? I keep getting confused. The political campaign contributors. The big determining factor as to who was on that stage for that first debate over at Fox was whether these folks had enough money. That's it. Not about ideology, not about anything, but it starts out with how much money have you amassed from the people that are going to twist your tail and make you do what you're supposed to do. That was the big issue. Is that how representative democracy works? And this is exactly why President George Washington had no use for political parties. I've read it before, but I think it's worth repeating tonight. During his farewell address, this was Saturday, September 17, 1796. I almost remember it, but I'm not quite that old. But this was back in 1796. President George Washington's farewell address said the following. However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people. Sound familiar? And to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. So even after the terror attacks, and by the way, it's, it's amazing. Um, I just saw a report that said that Biden will not be going to one of the three sites that we associate with the 9-11 attacks, Ground Zero in New York, the World Trade Center, the field in Pennsylvania, or the Pentagon. No, 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 no. He's going to Alaska. 
going to Alaska because he's got meetings to go to. He's the president of the United States. The world remembers 9-11. He could have said, we have memorial services in the United States. I will attend those, and then I will come to this cockamamie meeting. But you never know. Maybe there was a big enough check involved, or maybe not, just opposing. So he won't be here. Kamala Harris is going to go someplace or other. And then another bit of disturbing news is that apparently the prosecutors who are still screwing around with the 9-11 murderers are looking to take the death penalty off the table. They've lived for 22 years after this attack, and they may never face real justice. And I'm not a big fan of the death penalty, but we know who these bums are. If anybody deserves to die, it's them. But no, we're going to negotiate. So no death penalty for them. Biden out of town on the anniversary of 9-11. And terrorists are pouring into our country in record numbers. And it's not just the terrorists on the terror watch list. I, I, I love these reporters. They like to have box scores. Well, 43 people on the terror watch list were caught. Most terrorists aren't in any watch list. Let me tell you, I've arrested terrorists. I've investigated terrorists. That's why the 9-11 Commission reached out to me after 9-11 and asked me to go to Washington to provide a sworn deposition to help them devise strategies to protect Americans against the next attack. Don't claim I have all the answers. Far from it. You know, my parents said if someone tells you they got all the answers, run for your life. But I've arrested a number of terrorists. I've interrogated a bunch of them. I have insight that probably most of our alleged leaders don't have. And I'm telling you that the lunacy here is that everything that this administration is doing runs contrary 180 degrees to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission and to common sense. But I want, I want to walk something back a little bit. Because everyone seems to have forgotten that prior to the Second World War, and this is very important for you to all understand, the enforcement and administration of America's immigration laws were the primary responsibility of the Labor Department. The Labor Department, under the administration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, America was struggling to get out of the Depression. And Roosevelt said, I want to do everything possible so that no American will compete for a foreign worker for his or her job. If you allow Americans to be displaced by foreign workers, they're out of work. If you flood America with third world workers willing to work the third world wages under third world conditions, wages will decline and we'll never get out of the depression and we'll turn America into a third world country. Are we there yet? So immigration law enforcement, first and foremost, was concerned with protecting the jobs and wages of Americans. And then when we had Nazi bastards washing up, washing up on our shores in Florida and Long Island um, on U-boats, Roosevelt said, wait a minute, this is a national security threat, and they reorganized the government and moved immigration from labor to the Justice Department, just the way it was moved to homeland security. Uh, I call it homeland surrender by Bush. But in the case of Roosevelt, he was actually determined to protect us. In the case of Bush, he was determined to protect the globalists. Okay? But I remember when I began my career with the INS, 
And I remember being interviewed, and it was an interesting interview. Uh, you walked out of there feeling as though they had shrunk your brain. The interrogation, which is really what it was more like, went on for about four hours, and three senior people interviewed me. And the focus of the interview, in part, was how I would deal with hypothetical situations. For example, and it stays with you forever. We still joke about it, my former colleagues and I. A woman shows up at a port of entry. You are an immigration inspector. You find out that she's been previously deported, which means that legally we could not admit her into the United States. But if she is accompanied by a surgeon from her home country who says, if we don't let her in, she will die. What do you do? And what they were looking for was compassion. Compassion. And I agree with it, by the way. And not knowing about parole or admission or the law, again, this was an interview. It wasn't working for the agency yet. I said, well, I would imagine we should let that woman go to the hospital where they need to treat her, perhaps have a couple of agents stay with her so that she doesn't escape, and when she's healed up and able to travel, we send her home, hopefully to live out her life in a healthy way. And that was kind of like the answer they were looking for. They said, actually, we would parole her into the country unless she was a big threat, then we might have someone stay with her. We don't have the resources for that. But we would give them permission to come into the country to get the treatment and then go home. That's kind of like a part of what DACA was supposed to be about, deferred action. Someone gets hurt in the United States while they're here on a temporary visa. You don't throw them out of the country and they, and they die on the airplane going home. You let them get treatment. Their family can stay with them here. And when they're finally well enough to travel, they go home. We have to be compassionate. And no country is more compassionate than America. And we should be proud of that fact. But the crooked politicians, forgive the redundancy, and particularly Obama, particularly Biden, particularly Mayorkas and company, have turned America's kindness and compassion into a weapon they could use against us to manipulate us to act against our own best interests. And that's what DACA was. It was never designed to, to include hundreds of thousands or millions of aliens uh, who didn't have an emergency situation because it was supposed to be for emergency situations. It's just a way of getting an amnesty without being able to get Congress to go along. They couldn't get the DREAM Act passed. By the way, that's an acronym for Development Relief and Education for Alien Minors. Suddenly the word alien is palatable when you can link it to the American dream. How disgusting is that? The American dream doesn't apply to Americans. But if you're from another country, we'll do everything possible to make sure you get your share of the American dream that has become ever more elusive for American citizens in their own country. Kind of remarkable. Okay? So that was one of the questions. Are you going to be compassionate? Then they threw another question at us, at me. It was three against one. You're sitting there getting bombarded. And every time you answer, they said, are you sure? Do you want to change it? They wanted to make sure that you would stick to your guns and, and, and show that you have a spine. Kind of a rarity today, isn't it? So the next question is, you're in upstate New York conducting an investigation of one of the resorts. Most of them are now gone. But back then, these, these resorts were amazing. And in fact, I investigated a number of those places up in the Catskills. We used to call it the Borstbelt because it was mostly um, a, a Jewish kind of a place to go. And they said, as you're walking across the, the swimming pool area, you spot this guy and you recognize his face from a photograph. The guy is wanted for murder in his home country. 
He's certainly here illegally. You're supposed to arrest him. He sees you, you see him, and he grabs this five-year-old kid and throws him into the deep end of the pool. What do you do? Well, what they were looking for us to do is save the kid and then go after the bad guy. Again, compassion first. Human life is the priority. Just like today with all the drugs flowing into America. But a funny thing happened when I heard that question, and it happened to most of my friends, and maybe this is why Americans are confused. I'm thinking, well, the guy's wanted for murder, and he's in the Catskills. What the hell is he doing in the Catskills? Because what people don't seem to understand is that when a fugitive comes to the United States, their goal is to hide in plain sight so that nobody goes after them. And while they're here, they have to be able to support themselves. So they need to get a job. You do it in an out-of-the-way place like the Catskills, and they might be able to live out their lives, their lives without detection, just like the Nazi war criminal. So it seemed preposterous that a wanted international murderer would be working as a, as a busboy in a resort. But I found those situations. I arrested a guy working in a glass shop who had committed murder in the United States, did jail time, was deported, came back, and he escaped from a federal penitentiary where he was serving time for unlawful reentry after deportation. And, and the glass owner, the glass factory owner in Brooklyn, thought this guy was the you know, best of the best. He was from Honduras. He gave him the keys to the factory. He let him sleep in his house. When I told him what the guy's background was, he almost fainted. Bad guys don't look like bad guys. How many times have you heard someone interviewed this guy that lives next door to you killed five women. What do you know about him? And they, are you kidding him? He had this great smile. We heard that about the Nazis. Oh, he has a little rose bush. And every time I came by with my little puppy, he came over and scratched my dog and, and always gave us a little milk bone for my little puppy. Meanwhile, the guy was a cold-hearted killer who played a major role in the Holocaust. It was interesting to me that Kamala Harris was saying we're going to go after the root cause of illegal immigration. Well, the root cause is the Biden administration and the complicity of our government over decades from both parties that treat immigration like a nothing, like a nothing. In reality, when you look at immigration from the appropriate perspective, and I, I've worked with the Speakers Bureau in D.C. for many years, and I remember having an audience of a bunch of Air Force generals and colonels and test pilots and engineers, amazing people. It was just such a privilege to have lunch with them, and on top of it, be given an honorarium. It was wonderful. One, of, one time I was there, one of our astronauts was actually in attendance. It was quite an honor to meet him. We took pictures together. But I said something to them. I said, as I understand that the shared common mission of all of our branches of the U.S. Armed Forces is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. And they all nodded in agreement. I said, but do you realize that up close and in person that vital mission falls to the men and women of the U.S. Coast Guard, the U.S. Border Patrol, and ICE? And they looked surprised. And afterwards, a couple came up to me and said, you know, I never thought of immigration that way, but of course you're right. I said, yes, of course I'm right. But no one portrays it that way because the Chamber of Commerce and the immigration lawyers and all these others who are feeding at the trough don't want you to understand the importance of immigration because they're making too much money undermining public safety, national security, and particularly the jobs and wages of Americans, which isn't even a thought anymore, not even an afterthought, not even a whisper of a thought. Yes, of course they're going to take the jobs of Americans. Americans won't do them anyway, so the hell with Americans. 
Think about that. And it used to be that the Democrat Party was the party of the average working man or woman. Uh, I'm a registered Democrat for that reason. My dad was a construction worker. And to me, tradesmen rock. Without tradesmen, we'd all be living in caves, under trees, or God knows where. There'd be no society without tradesmen. No cars, no roads, no buildings, no water, no electricity, no sewer. Just give me the list. Not even supersonic airliners or fans without tradesmen. Look at how the Democrats have betrayed Americans. The Republicans are always about taking care of corporate America. It used to be when I was a kid that the Republicans had the back of business owners and the Democrats had the back of the people who worked for a living. And there was balance to the system, and that makes sense because both sides of that equation have reasonable and unreasonable requests and concerns. One of the other analogies that I like to use when I was in front of the members of the military is to talk about D-Day. Who gets credit for D-Day? Was it the brilliance of General Eisenhower, one of my favorite historic figures and presidents? Or was it the men who laid down their lives on the beaches of Normandy? Well, I would argue that it was a shared credit. Without the brilliance of the generals, D-Day would have failed. Without the gallantry of the soldiers, D-Day would have failed. Put them together, it was an unstoppable machine. The same thing here. If you have a dream and you build a business, of course you're entitled to make money. I have no problem with that. That's what capitalism is about. That's how we make progress. People have a better idea. By the way, you're not allowed to have better ideas anymore because if you question authority, they're going to come for you, right? Follow the science. Sure thing. Einstein didn't follow the science, and look what he discovered. Think of all of the people who did not follow quote-unquote, the science, meaning conventional wisdom, and came up with their own ideas. And we jumped forward by leaps and bounds by challenging the status quo. You're not allowed to do that with these so-called liberals who are not liberals. They're authoritarians, they're totalitarians, they're Nazis, and they're fascists. What do you think of that? Follow the science. Yes, like Fauci. The human weather vane. He could give you five answers on one day that all contradicted each other. But we'll follow Fauci's version of the science. And what time is it now? Let's see where we are 15 minutes from now. Madness. This is madness. So the Democrats used to protect the American worker. The Republicans looked out for the factory owners and business owners, and that was fine. When the Democrats told the American workers to go to hell, the wheels came off the wagon. So that brings us to the current time. America is under invasion, yet none of the candidates on the stage during the Fox News debate called it an invasion. They tried to reference it, but they were shut down by Brett Baer and, um, and Martha McCallum. Wait, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, 90 minutes into the debate, and there was one question about the southern border. The issue here is interior enforcement. The issue here is to make certain that aliens don't take jobs that belong to Americans or lawful immigrants, right? That's part of the job. Plus, make sure you don't have criminals and so forth. In fact, if you want to understand the immigration laws, jot this down. Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. United States Code, Section 1182, 1182. It lists the categories of aliens who are supposed to be excluded from the United States. Contrary to the lies that you're getting from the media, the politicians, and all the other flotsam and jetsam, 
There's not a word in there about race or religion or ethnicity. It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases who are severely mentally ill, who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human traffickers, fugitives from justice, drug traffickers. And then they eventually work their way down to aliens who would become a public charge or if they work, would displace American workers and drive down wages. Who could be opposed to that? But it's never explained that way. The border wall was never designed to stop anyone from coming into the United States. It was supposed to lend integrity to the process by making it infinitely more difficult for aliens to evade the vetting process we conducted ports of entry. It is clear that by ending the wall, the politicians who oppose the wall want drugs and criminals and terrorists to enter the country. They want aliens to come into the country who will compete unfairly with American workers and drive them into unemployment and poverty. I wrote an article a couple of years ago where I said for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. Americans are failing. And now I, I just saw a report this morning on Fox News, and they said, well, the unemployment rate ticked up a little, and they can't understand why. Well, maybe it has something to do with 7 million aliens who shouldn't be here, and some of them maybe are working now. And it's only going to get worse. And along comes Eric Adams, former New York City police captain. And along comes Hochul, well, the governor, the dynamic duo. And they're demanding that DHS, I get this one, provide employment authorization to all the aliens that they have flooded into New York City so that they can support themselves. Now, we've always heard that from the right. Well, we don't want them on welfare, but if they're going to work, that's fine. Sure, it's fine. So you can destroy the wage structure for the average working American. And it's not just the illegal aliens. It's also the high-tech workers. Alan Greenspan referred to high-tech American workers with advanced degrees as the privileged elite. Back in 2009, he testified for Chuck Schumer about comprehensive immigration reform, and he said the solution to wage inequality is to make high-tech Americans, meaning Americans who have advanced degrees, MBAs, PhDs, make them compete with foreign workers, because those foreign workers will settle for much less money. And if you do that, you will drive down the wage premium of those privileged elite high-tech Americans, and then you greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. In other words, let's kill off the middle class. And they've done it. And they've done it. But Americans don't get it. And then we're told, if you bring in foreign students, then of course you need to put them to work here. Because otherwise, they're going to go back to their home countries halfway around the world that America won't benefit from the training we gave them. Oh. So in other words, let's train foreign kids and screw over American kids. Instead of going into Harlem and other crime-ridden, terrible neighborhoods, and the list keeps growing and growing and growing, and saying, look, the key to success in America is an education. My mother had a fourth-grade education, came here as a 12-year-old, the head of the Holocaust. My dad had an eighth-grade education and was a tradesman. But they said to me, you're going to go to college. I had no clue what college was, but even back then, they made it clear that it was expected of me that I would go to college so that I would have the brightest possible future. Tragically, they both died of cancer before I got my degree. It was a tough day getting my degree. But they were right. So instead of going into these neighborhoods and saying, look, we'll do everything we can to educate you so you could become the next class of engineers and biologists and technicians. No, they don't want that. 
They want people to come here from the third world who will take third world wages, third world conditions, boost the earnings of the corporations, and screw Americans. So you have more crime, more dysfunctional families, more unemployment, and that's the goal. It's not a side effect. It's not a, um, an unexpected problem. It was a design problem. This is about the destruction of the middle class so that the people that are likely to book passage on that magnificent flying machine NASA spending God knows how many tens of millions of taxpayer money on so that they can, I don't know, maybe buy one for themselves down the road. I mean, after all, you can't expect them to fly at a 747. These are the elite. You don't want to rub shoulders with average people. Isn't that where we are? The haves and have-nots. And more and more Americans are finding that they fall into the category of the have-nots. So you've got Kamala Harris saying, well, we've got to look at root cause. Oh, these people want to come here to work. Well, some of them do. But even the ones who come to work may well be fugitives in their home country. Maybe they're here because they're terrorists. Maybe they're here because they're part of the drug cartel. Maybe they're here because they're gangbangers. Not one common cause, except for the fact that they have thrown out the welcome mat and made it clear that America today is still the land of opportunity. The felons, thugs, sociopaths, child molesters, and rapists. Wow. Progress, huh? Not hardly. Now we come... A story. By the way, I'm going to be on Newsmax TV tomorrow morning around 8.30. You know, the time may vary because that's just how it works. And, and so there was a story that everyone was excited about. This apparently may have been admitted into the United States by a smuggling group that has links to ISIS. And, of course, the administration immediately said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of this. And meanwhile, the FBI is scrambling like crazy. Meanwhile, if you look at what happened in that debacle in Afghanistan, over 70,000 Afghanis who might have links to terror uh, are now here, and the FBI was given over $15 million in emergency funding to do what? Try, try to figure out where they are and who they are, right? So stop and think about that. And then August 25th, 2023, not even a week ago, is the DOJ press release, Department of Justice, Pakistani doctor sentenced to 18 years in prison for attempting to provide material support to ISIS. He didn't come across the Mexican border, which is the point I keep making. The Mexican border is deadly dangerous. I'm not saying it isn't. It is. But it's only one hole in what I call the immigration colander, and every hole needs to be plugged, just like every hole in the bottom of a boat needs to be plugged or the boat winds up at the bottom of the lake. So I'm just going to start out by reading the first two paragraphs of this DOJ press release. A Rochester man, Rochester, right, was sentenced today to 216 months in prison, equivalent to 18 years, followed by five years of supervised release for for attempting to provide material support to a foreign terrorist organization. According to court documents, Mohammed Massoud, 31, a licensed medical doctor in Pakistan, was formally employed as a research coordinator how does this make you feel, at the medical clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, under an H-1B visa. Between January 2020 and March 2020, Masood used an encrypted messaging application to facilitate his travel overseas to join a terrorist organization. Not the Mexican border, but here we go. 
And meanwhile, what damage could he have done to people at the hospital? And by the way, according to conversations and communications that were intercepted, he said that his ultimate goal besides helping the terrorists overseas was to carry out a lone wolf attack inside the United States of America. And he got here on an H-1B visa. He was here legally. It's not just illegal immigration, folks. Think about that. Let's move along. Um, bear with me one second. I've got to pull up another file. Okay. So this is the story. And, in fact, it's going to be the basis for my interview, I was told, tomorrow on Newsmax. This is CNN reporting now, CNN. It's not the blaze. It's not Breitbart. You know, people can say what they want. I, I, pers- I personally think they're good sources of information. But, no, this is CNN. Exclusive smuggler with ties to ISIS helped migrants enter the U.S. from Mexico, raising alarm bells across the government. They're here. And the FBI is scrambling to look for them. And where are they? Who knows? Meanwhile, Hochul and Adams want to give employment authorization to aliens whose identities can't be verified. What could possibly go wrong? You want to hide in plain sight? That's the way to do it. Get employment authorization, get a very common mundane job, and you hide in plain sight. Let me, in fact, put a little bit of an emphasis on that. This is the statement of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. This is the paragraph that begins the preface of that report that was prepared by the federal agents and attorneys who were assigned to the commission. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Think of that one. Who did they hire? No agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Takes my breath away. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages, it must be made one. They're not talking about running the border. They're talking about lawful entry. Of course, the border is uh, another obvious hole in the colander, right? Think about that. They also made the point that... um, and bear with me, I apologize. Once terrorists entered the United States, just like these ISIS terrorists, folks, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories. These are all people applying for asylum. They've overwhelmed the asylum system that was exploited by the terrorists, and not just on 9-11, but repeatedly in the years leading up to 9-11 and since 9-11, immigration fraud and asylum fraud were key. And we now have millions of quote-unquote asylum seekers who have as much chance of being granted asylum as I have of becoming an astronaut. In order to qualify for asylum, it doesn't mean you come from a country of poverty or a country where rampant crime is a problem, because you could point to just about any American city today. It means that because of race, religion, ethnicity, because of your 
uh, political beliefs, sexual orientation, you face persecution or worse in your home country. That's it, period. doesn't matter if you can't find food. It's about being persecuted, okay? And most of these people will tell you they're here to get a job. And Hochul and Adams says, let's let them work which is firing the starter's pistol for more aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world, including countries that hate us, to head for our border, confident that they will get in and be able to hide in plain sight. We're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, and we don't know who the hell they are. You or I can't get on an airplane with being thoroughly scrutinized, and I have no problem with that. But the weapon of choice for terrorists around the world has become motor vehicles. How many Truck bombs and car bombs have been involved in attacks. How many people have been mowed down by motor vehicles? Go to major cities. Go to Washington, D.C. How many barricades have been erected against what? Car bombs and truck bombs. So we're giving people whose identities are unverifiable driver's licenses. Brilliant. So anyway, so they said that their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. Here we go. Used the truck in the bombing, and he was here illegally. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. He's also an illegal alien, and he drove the truck that was used in the 93 bombing of the Trade Center that killed six, injured over 1,000, and inflicted over a half billion in damages and almost brought the tower down sideways, in which case God only knows how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands might have died. The seawall might have ruptured, and God only knows Lower Manhattan might still be uninhabitable. Two illegal aliens rented and drove the truck containing the bomb, and we're giving out driver's licenses to illegal aliens. Brilliant. And once you get a license, you can go anywhere in the country. And by the way, I've mentioned it before, but I have to repeat it, Illinois will be hiring alien police officers come January. Think about that. Police officers. They will have full police authority. They'll have access to police databases and computers. They will have firearms that have no numerical limitation on their magazines because law enforcement is exempt. And here's the kicker. For those of you sports fans who don't live in Illinois, you're not off the hook. Uh-uh. Any off-duty police officer can travel anywhere in the United States with his or her gun and take a stroll anywhere and everywhere because law enforcement officers are exempt all the restrictions that apply to normal American citizens. But here we're talking about aliens, including DACA aliens, who evaded the vetting process when they entered the United States. So we have no clue who they are. We don't know when they entered. This was a scam. Oh, these poor kids who came in, brought here by their parents, so if they claim that they came prior to their 16th birthday, they're in. It doesn't mean they came before their 16th birthday. It just means when they filled out the application, they had to say it. There were no interviews and no investigations. So if the answers were right, they were approved. There was something like, I think, a 98% approval rating. And these people could have been in their 30s when they applied, in their 30s. This isn't about the children. It's about using our compassion as a weapon against America and Americans. 
I wonder how that's going to work itself out. And then we get to this part on page 54, and this is under terrorist travel tactics by plot, although there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred. That's when we had a relatively secure border. I mean, now all bets are off. These conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports, and in so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, on government corruption, on government corruption. Did I say on government corruption? Just wanted to make sure. On government corruption, because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States. Terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, and you've got Republicans and Democrats alike saying, let's legalize everybody. There will be no interviews, there'll be no field investigations, but let's legalize everybody, right? It blows my mind. Their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here. By claiming political asylum, there we go again, and by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics would remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s up to the 9-11 attack. Everybody knows it. Why is this administration doing what it's doing? Why is no one asking that question? And now here's the final paragraph that you need to hear. And this goes back again to my understanding of the issue, having done the job for 40 and 30 years. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement. No one talks about it. We have to hire border patrols. No, you have to hire ICE agents and give them the tools they need to do the job. Once you get past the border, the border patrol is done. They have nothing to do with aliens who violate their visas. They have nothing to do with aliens who lie on applications. That's the realm of ICE. And there are no ICE agents. And Mayorkas has made it clear that any alien who becomes a U.S. citizen by lying on his application has nothing to fear because now that you're an American, Mayorkas will give you 101% protection by the force of the U.S. government because you're an American. Unless, I guess, you were born in America, and then it's a whole different story. So thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It will remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and deadly terrorist operations were missed. Okay? Page 61, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt, corrupt government officials, Human smugglers clearly have the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. Finally, page 98. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status. That's DACA, by the way, boys and girls or applying for asylum after entering. Here we go again. And we have millions of those critters romping around our country right now. 
In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Wow. Wow. By the way, on July 14th, the press, press release by DOJ, high-level member of ISIS sentenced to life in prison for material support to a foreign terrorist organization resulting in death. Subtitle form, a Brooklyn and Bronx resident convicted of being an ISIS fighter, weapon smuggler, propagandist, and recruiter. A New York man was sentenced today to life in prison on one count of conspiracy to provide material support to the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham ISIS and five substantive counts of providing material support to ISIS in the form of personnel, including himself, Australian citizen Jake Bellardi, and others, as well as services, weapons, property, and equipment, and false documentation and identification, all between January 2013 and June 2017, when the defendant was arrested in Sarajevo, Bosnia, and Herzegovina. By the way, you should know, that this guy entered the United States as a resident alien. New York man, no, no. He came as an immigrant. All you have to do is read his indictment. Finally, I don't know if you've been paying attention. This is kind of interesting. There is an ongoing, sometimes I make myself nuts. I'm sorry to do this to you. I don't know if you folks realize it, but there is currently a fugitive, um, and here's Fox News reporting this um, today. Manhunt for escaped convicted murderer Danilo Cavalcante, ongoing in Pennsylvania, $10,000 reward offered. Danilo Cavalcante previously entered the United States illegally at an unknown time, U.S. Customs and Immigration Enforcement said. They're offering a $10,000 reward. He killed his girlfriend in front of their children front of their children. Now, here's what's interesting. This guy is from Brazil. He is wanted for murder in Brazil. You want to go to root cause? This guy is a fugitive on the run who came to America apparently to evade the long arm of Brazilian law. And so the cops are saying, well, he might be heading to Mexico to head back to Brazil. You think this guy wants to go back to Brazil where there's a warrant for his arrest for murder? No, no. And so many people come to America because they commit murder, they commit other serious crimes, and they don't want to go to jail. And I've arrested people from countries all over the world who have done that. Israel, England, um, gosh, it's just endless. Because human nature is human nature. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has what I call the good, the bad, and the ugly. So when you arrest someone, you don't know who that person is. You don't know what they might have just done. That's why we fingerprint people who get arrested. Think of what we consider to be the arrest process. The handcuffs go on. You bring the individual into the office. You fingerprint them, photograph them. God knows maybe you do a DNA swab these days. Uh, maybe you do facial recognition. Because we don't know who they are and what they've been up to. The one common feature of all bad guys is they lie. They lie about everything. They lie about their names, their dates of birth. They lie about their backgrounds. They lie about where they live. They just lie. 
because their ability to lie and to get over determines whether or not they can keep their freedom out on the street when they shouldn't be there and they still pose a threat to our safety. So his poor girlfriend was killed because our government failed to keep this fugitive out of the United States. She's dead. Kids lost their mother. It's an immigration story, but you'd never know it to read the reports in the news. It's all about this Pennsylvania guy who killed his girlfriend, and they're looking for him. It's an immigration story. If we had done the job better of securing the border, whichever way it was he entered, because we don't know, and that's the point. It's not just the Mexican border. He could have gotten on a boat. He could have landed at an airport under, with, with documentation in a different name. This is the problem that we face. And every day the invasion ramps up, and every day the impact on America and Americans ramp up. And Hochul and Adams and others, including the unions, want to give these people employment authorization. I want you to let that one sink in. People are supposed to join a labor union, as my dad did, to protect their jobs and their working conditions. If you are allowing more and more people to work in the United States, you're not helping the members of your union because you're giving them a ton of competition, which means they might not get a job or at the very least because labor becomes that much more available, you will destroy wages and conditions under which people will be expected to work. And the unions are doing it. Why? It's easy. The more people that join the union, the more union dues they get, which puts money in their pockets, the more people who belong to the unions gives them political leverage, because then they can talk about how many millions of people belong to the union, and they are able to more easily get what they want from the politicians. So the obvious question is, who's looking out for you, me, or the average American? And the answer is nobody. Nobody. The politicians from both parties are all in on it. They're all being bribed by the same people, the same sources. The unions, for the most part, there are some exceptional unions, but for the most part, they couldn't care less. Corporations are thrilled. The banks are thrilled. And when these people send money home, it hurts our economy, but banks are moving companies. The money remitters are moving companies. They move money. They get a piece of the action. They become the silent partner. There's going to be another debate. Maybe people should reach out to Fox News and tell them that it's time that they showed some real integrity and made immigration the lead topic, not the last topic. Because if you want to know how China became China and became a military force to be reckoned with, it's because we educated their engineers, their programmers, their scientists, their chemists, their biologists. These are all immigration stories, folks. But that's not how they're being portrayed. I hope you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And as you meet with your friends and neighbors, raise the issues with them. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. We need to exercise our First Amendment rights. You know, use it or lose it. Have a great weekend. See you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Please send the link of this podcast to and send them to do the same and become part of my public